Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Calvary Live, coming to you live from the studios here at Grace FM, Aurora, Colorado. Grateful to be a small part of the huge work that God is doing in your life. My name is Ed Taylor. I have the privilege of pastoring the Calvary Church here in Aurora, Colorado, a Calvary chapel we planted in 1999 to think that God had in store and in mind this fellowship family even long before we moved here. I grew up in Southern Cal, got saved at a Calvary chapel, was discipled there, served there, and then launched off like many others before me and after me uh, to be used of God to take what Pastor Chuck would call as a venture of faith and step out to see what the Lord might do. Uh, and here we are, 24 years later in December is the birthday of our church. I want to welcome you as you are listening on the Grace FM radio network. That would be two stations that covers 80, 80% of Colorado's population, 89.7 up here in Denver. Welcome. Uh, all the way up into Cheyenne, Wyoming, parts of Nebraska picks it up, all the way east to Lyman, uh, up a, and all the way west uh, to the mountains. It, it it stops at the mountains, of course, north. You know, you guys, Longmont, Loveland, all of the wonderful cities up north. Down south, all the way to the border of Pueblo West, 101.7 is down in the Springs. We're also on the Radio by Grace Network, 73 Signals. Uh, throughout many different states, Louisiana, Kentucky, Texas, Washington, Texas, Amarillo is the home base for Radio by Grace. Hope FM, Calvary Chapel, Marlton, 21 signals. Truth FM, two signals. Higher Rock Radio, Meridian, Idaho, Living Water, Corpus Christi, Texas. And this is the second week that we welcome you brand new, The Way Radio, Kingman, Arizona. Welcome. Grateful that you've joined us. If you're listening on Grace FM or Radio by Grace, this is live. All the other stations, you're listening to a one-week delayed program. All that means, call the show while we're on, and you'll get a host, and then you get to listen to it. You listen to yourself on the radio the following week. So here's how it works, 303 690 303-690-3000 is the number, or you can text me, 720-336-0897. Now, forgive me for any hesitations today or any challenges today, because I am uh, without a computer. My computer's uh, internet connection uh, somehow died today and isn't cooperating with me. Uh, every, actually, ever since I got back, my computer has not been kind to me. So I am going to run the show old school and see what the Lord has and looking up scriptures together. Uh, and I got a little paper Bible here. 
what my I love my paper Bible, so I get to use it. Uh, and I'd love to have a conversation with you. 303-690-3000-720-336-0897, texting only. Uh, we got text questions that come through uh, quite a bit. Uh, so we use that to fill time if we need to. And we'd love to have you on the program. Two open lines right now, 303-690-3000, taking your calls and your questions. Here we go. Let's pick up with, we'll go right to the phone lines, Elizabeth, Colorado. Daniel, Daniel, welcome to the program. Hi, how's it going? It's going great. What's going on? Um, Just had a question about the book of Job and whether it's a literal person who really walks the earth and everything in it is, you know, a true event or if it's more allegorical and like a story written by someone in the, you know, someone of Israel, like a prophet to like talk about, you know, that God doesn't always just, you know, reward good and punish evil. No, it's a literal, he, Job is a literal man. Uh, he, that is a true story uh, that's propagated from him, like that's given to us from him. It gives us insights into the spiritual realm. It, it teaches us the faithfulness of God. It teaches us the, he teaches us, I should say, um, the reality of things happening behind the scenes and uh, the challenging parts of life. And Job is a literal man. Yes. Okay. Well, it, it was just, I mean, I, maybe I'm just incorrect in thinking this, but I always thought that Job was a book of the Bible that happened, you know, in the time before Abraham or, you know, before the nation of Israel was really established. But yet it seems like he quotes, or I was, you know, reading in my study Bible that he's, you know, more or less quoting some Psalms and Proverbs. I'm like, well, how could he quote those if those didn't exist yet? I don't know. Well, you know, the, the Bible, Job is mentioned throughout the scriptures as well. He's not, so Job is mentioned, uh, like in Ezekiel chapter 14, uh, Job is mentioned as a historical real figure, not like referring to the story of Job or more importantly in the new covenant, you know, in James chapter five, you'll remember in verse 11, uh, it says, behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. And what did he say, uh, James? He said, you have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. So here's an example of a reference to Job as a true historical man in the context, I mean, in the context of also you've seen the faithfulness of God as as a true a supreme being. So you've got you 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 you've got them in the same sentence being referred to as a re- having a reference, so that you and I are encouraged by both God, the truthfulness of God, but also encouraged by the truthfulness of Job. Okay. Yeah. Well, I know. Yeah. The Book of Job is awesome. I'm just reading it recently. I just was felt like I didn't understand it fully and um, wanted to go through it again. I was kind of reading the introduction in my study Bible. Um, I'm reading through it again right now, and I, I told the, um, I said that it was, or I didn't say this to you, I said to the guy that when I called him, but it seemed like it was saying that it wasn't, a, you know, a real um, event, but I'm reading it now, and it doesn't look like it says that exactly. Well, because, I can, I can understand a few things. Let's speak to this a little bit, because there's a, um, I don't know, a funny story, not so funny story, but there's a couple things when it comes to the book of Job that I can understand your perspective, because it is an outrageous book. Uh, it's one of those books that what has happened to Job is outrageous. It, it is beyond imagination. It is 
uh, one after another after another, and not just small trials, but cataclysmic, earth-shattering, home-destroying trials that uh, have occurred in his life. And so it would be easy, I think, uh, to conclude that this uh, this can't be true. You know, that's not that's not an unusual response to it. This can't be true. Um, however, you've getting to Job. You know, when we're dealing with that, when you get to Job, you've already read Genesis one one. So if we've all read Genesis one one and we agree with Genesis one one in the beginning, God. By the time we get to Job, even the outrageous, unusual things we also can assent to because we believe in the God of the universe. Uh, number one, number two. Uh, you know, when I read Job as a new believer, so we're talking thirty plus years ago. I'm reading the Bible like anyone else. I've never read the Bible before. I got a Bible and a highlighter. Uh, I was very attracted to the book of Job because of the exhortation of conversation he has with his friends. Uh, I had a more exhortive, I still have a more exhortive uh, bent to my ministry. However, God has tempered that a thousand different ways uh, to be much more gracious in my ministry. But this directness, I definitely have kept in who I am. And you know, I'm I'm highlight. I mean, my whole book of Job was highlighted. This is so good. This is so good. Only to find out with careful study, not everything they're saying is is accurate. Like it's accurate that it's in the Bible, but it's not representing God accurately. Um, they're just getting down on Job, being mean to him, and Job's like, like. So there's a reality of the humanness of Job, and I had to get a new Bible and I highlighted it differently. And then thirdly, and I'll give you a chance to to respond. Thirdly. Um, can you bring him back on the air? Daniel, have you ever experienced any massive trial in your life? Um, I mean, I suppose so. I mean, nothing like Job. <laughs> yeah, but me, definitely some things that were intense. And I've experienced some things that are intense and, and have learned to uh, enjoy Job in that respect. But when my son passed away, Job became a very comforting passage, very comforting book to me because I got a little bit closer to his cataclysmic events, you know, and it was just not just my son. It was a series of events. My dad passed away. My mom passes away. We got drama within the church family. My son passes away. There's drama surrounding my son and, and uh, not him in particular, but who he's connected to and on and on that is. And uh, it's like, wow, it's a very encouraging, comforting book. And I think it becomes much more encouraging the deeper in pain and sorrow and difficulty a person experiences. And not that it wouldn't be valuable to, to those that have been able to escape deep things, but for those that haven't escaped deep things, you see that God has a purpose. He's working it out. He is victorious over the devil. You're able to persevere. I mean, on and on you can, it's a very valuable book. And all that to say is Job absolutely is a true historical figure, and that's the testimony of his life. As a matter of fact, um, I don't have it uh, in my mind, but there's even some inferences, I can't remember it right now, some inferences of Job being mentioned back in the genealogies in Genesis, um, or perhaps Kings. I It came to mind right now, but I'd have to look it up. I, I can't remember, but he absolutely is a historical figure. That's awesome. Um, I got a, another question, if, if you have time. Okay, let's try it. So it's still related to Job. You know, it speaks about um, the you know sons of, of God, I think is how it phrases it, coming before him. And then, yeah. it, you know, it says Satan is there also. Um, and then, you know, 
he says, you know, where'd you come from? I was walking to and fro on the earth. He's like, if you consider my, you know, my uh, servant Job. And then he's like, well, if I persecute him, he'll curse you. And then God says, okay, go persecute him. And Satan does all these things, um, you know, and it seems like he has powers. I mean, it's, you know, you said it kind of, Joe gives us an, a look into the spiritual realm. And in that case, I'm like, you know, what does that mean about Satan? Does he have, like, supernatural powers that he, you know, always has access to? You know, how, do, how does all that work? Have you ever considered that? Yeah, he does have supernatural powers. He's a spiritual being. Uh, you remember the origin of Satan is that the angels were not created in rebellion against God. The entire angelic class, uh, angels are in a different creative category than you and I as humans. There is a set amount of angels that God created, and there was a time, we don't know how eternity passed uh, until the fall, That, but the angelic realm existed in worship and devotion to God, and at the rebellion of the rebellion of Satan, he takes a he influences a third of the angels uh, to follow him. They did not lose any of their power, neither did they gain any power uh, in the sense that their rebellion gave them anything else. They will always were, always are, and always will be under the authority of God. But certainly, they do have abilities. Uh, one of the things I like to say when we're teaching through spiritual warfare and describing. Uh, teaching through the topic of angelology and demon demonology and the origins of Satan is that there are two mistakes that we make when it comes to spiritual warfare and there uh, and the spiritual realm. Number one, we over uh, we 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 overdo it when it comes to the devil and we ascribe to him way too much power that he doesn't have. Uh, we and there's so much a segment of the church today that is very much into the hyper spiritual part of things and and make devil more powerful than he is. But then the other extreme that we want to avoid is that we underestimate him and minimize him like he's no big deal. Even though we live in the authority of God, uh, we can see very clearly with Job and other places that he has access uh, to come against you and me as believers. Uh, we have a threefold enemy, the Bible says, the world, the flesh, and the devil, the demonic realm. Mm. Wow. Yeah, I've just never, well, I mean, it's, it, I don't know. It's like you, you understand that, you know, he's an, you know, a, a power, more powerful being than us. I think you call him an angelic being. Um, but, you know, it just speaks about specific things he was able to do. Yeah. Like, you know, bringing a whirlwind that knocked down the yeah. walls of the house and killed all of his, you know, kids. Um, I don't know. It's just like interesting to see that, you know, to see more specific logistical things of what he what he's able to do i agree it's a very dynamic world that we live in and that's why the reality of life is to abide in christ because we're very safe there our minds are safe there our lives are safe there our souls are safe there and we don't have to figure everything out we can just live in christ and obey him and enjoy him yeah i also have a prayer request if you wouldn't mind praying with me okay sure um, my dad has a lot of physical issues. Um, and I mean like a lot, like a literal laundry list and they keep popping up, you know, even after I've started praying for him directly and asking all of my you know church friends and small group to pray for him. And I don't know, I mean, coincidentally, it's kind of like the book of Job. He's kind of coming to this place where he's just like, I'm just so lost. Now, he's a believer, but he's just like, I don't understand why, you know, 
you know, I understand I have these issues, but then more show up, like random things that have nothing related to the last issues. And he, he's definitely discouraged. And, um, you know, just prayer for, like, truthfully miraculous healing, you know, to, to that, that would be a part of his testimony now that, you know, he, his body has been utterly healed from a broken, you know, body to, to a, you know, a, a fully healthy, fully functioning one. Um, and then, it, you know, also, you know, if that not be the Lord's will that, you know, you'd also pray for um, direction and understanding, like, you know, why this is happening. And he can come to terms with it, I suppose, and help him yeah. to understand where, where the Lord truly fits in with this. Yeah. What's his first name? His name is Brian. Lord, I come together. I come alongside Daniel to pray for his pops and uh, pray for Brian and lift him up to you. And the, the reality of the difficulty of his life right now, it's challenging and I mean, I, sometimes I'm praying, God, I just don't, I hear these words come out of my mouth and they don't actually even describe how hard it is and how difficult it is. And I know it's challenging. It's more than challenging or hard. I know it's harder than hard. And so I pray for clarity that you would give, not information, although that's helpful, but God, that you would give, um, you would give revelation, that there would be a true revelation of your presence and your love for him in this time of deep, deep difficulty and challenges. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Okay, brother, God, thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Yeah. Hey. hey, give us a call. We have open lines, 303-690-3000. We're going to stay in Colorado, Centennial. Ethan, welcome to the program. Hi. Hey, Ethan, what's um, up? So my question, well, yeah, my question is what, is your favorite argument for the existence of God? You know, that's a great question because atheism is alive and well, and atheism has a lot of different forms to it. I, and I don't necessarily, so I, was, I saw your call on the call screen, and I don't necessarily have a favorite argument, but here's what I like to do. If, there, if it's a genuine, real conversation, because, you know, most of these conversations are not genuine or real. Uh, they're just someone that wants to argue, uh, and I'm not really in the mood of arguing with someone that doesn't really want to receive what I say. Have you experienced that yet? Yeah. And and so I keep that in mind. So here's one of the techniques that I use with someone that ha is is wanting to argue that God doesn't exist, and that's this. If I could prove to you, and I would ask them this question, if I could prove to you that God exists— would you believe in him and surrender your life to him today? And it shifts the, because, they, you know, they come with this question. They want to put you on the edge. They want to back you into a corner. But why, if, if, if I could prove it to you and I could give you all the evidence that you need to believe, are you going to believe in him? I haven't had one person say yes to that because they're not morally willing to have a real conversation. Uh, and, you know, if I had to give a quick question, I talk about, uh, you know, I take them back to, to the reality of creation and matter uh, and the significance of having, having to have something um, outside of, of current matter. You know, you have to have someone to create someone um, and the reality of the eternality of God. But I like to start there because it usually is a waste of my time. If you're not, if you're just asking, you know, you just want to somehow keep me at arm, and I'm not speaking about you in particular, but if someone just wants to keep me at arm's distance and do word head games with me, I don't have, I don't have time for head games. 
Uh, but if they're really genuine, then I would want to talk to them and, and figure out where they're coming from. And ultimately, you know, they're going to ask you, uh, usually if you get the, if there is a genuine conversation, there's also this sense where, well, you can't use the Bible. Well, the Bible is where we have the revelation of God. So if I could prove to you with evidence that the Bible is trustworthy, both internally and externally, would you believe the Bible? And of course, you know, you got that pathway down the, but I'm looking for some yeses because if I don't get any yeses, I don't spend a lot of time trying to prove to people the existence of God. Um, And then on a very subjective way, in a very subjective way, I would want to highlight my own testimony. My own testimony points to, um, you know, because God doesn't have to prove himself. God doesn't doesn't even choose to prove himself. His existence is self-evident. Creation, I mean, you can go a lot of different ways, right? So it just depends on the person. But uh, my testimony, I would begin to share, you know, again, I'm not going to argue, but I begin to share things that the Holy Spirit could use in their life when they leave later, uh, and let them ask her questions and say, well, let me look that up and talk to you later. But I really don't jump into those conversations with people that just want to argue because I don't have time to argue. Okay. Um, I have another question then. Great. So how, if they said yes, that they would believe the Bible, if you could prove that it's true, how would you go about doing that? Well, then I would begin to ask open-ended questions. Are we talking about you? Is this? Are you no. talking about yourself? I, no, I'm just interested in in this because I'm talking to a few people. Yeah, trying to. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if it was you, let's just say you said yes, then I'd begin. I'd begin to ask, "What do you believe?" I would want to root it in the reality of where you're coming from, rather than try to, um, you know, pull out of the air things that might connect with you. Uh, and I would want to dig deeper. And then this is an area. Uh, in my life, uh, that because I I receive it by faith because the Bible declares it, and again the the apologetic argument of running in circles and all the little things that all the little techniques that atheists or those that don't want anything to do with God uh, are going to throw at me. I, I don't want to avoid them, so I want to get them talking about what they believe and begin to attach the the frivolity and the emptiness of what they really believe um, and try to have a conversation with them rather than an argument. You know, I think that something that is eternal um, is very important. Um, you know, we have to talk about, we have to talk about eternality and is there anything greater than us and where did you come from and how did you get here? Those kind of uh, of questions, but be, again, uh, the those that are apologists that spend their life in this, they they would do a much better job than I would um, because I don't get anybody that says yes, quite frankly. Um, and I probably would in my in my conversations with people that really don't want to argue, um, which I really haven't seen a I haven't met lately in the last few years an atheist that's really seeking truth. Um, especially when they come to, you have to understand as a pastor, I get different types of people. As soon as somebody finds out I'm a pastor, the whole conversation changes. Uh, and, and so I have to remember uh, that I want to get somebody talking because then the Holy Spirit's going to help me answer their questions uh, because it's very obvious and evident from creation. There is a creator. 
that internal moral compass, what the world calls a moral compass, we call, or, or the Bible calls a conscience. Um, they had to come from somewhere. So I'm going to flip the question and go, where did they come from? And then, you know, there's some typical answers. I, well, you know, it's the law of the land. Okay, so when did, what, what happens when the law changes? And who's the final court of appeal uh, that determines and put in the heart of man the difference between right and wrong? You know, those, again, there's so many different directions you can go, but that's, that's the technique that I would use. Um, okay. And what would you say to, like, a Muslim who does believe in God but doesn't believe in our God? When it comes to someone that has a belief in another religion, um, I love the technique that I like uh, to use is to bring them to Jesus. That, that's that's the pattern from the beginning of the New Testament. Come and see, um, introducing people to Jesus because Jesus made an audacious claim in John chapter fourteen, verse six. You know, the Muslim we can use. I'd have to look it up. I don't have the references in front of me, but the Muslim, uh, the Quran mentions Jesus. So I would want to take some of the uh, biblical references and take this, take the Muslim back to their own worship book to validate that even Muhammad taught that Jesus is a real historical figure. So I don't have to prove that to them because they already believe that. They just believe he was a prophet. Uh, they just believe he was a good man. Um, and even Jesus understood that when he took his disciples to Caesarea Philippi, uh, which we have been many times going to Israel. And he says, you know, who do you say that I am? You know, who, who, who do people say that I am? And all these answers come back. You're a prophet. You're a good teacher. You're a healer. Uh, but then he looks at them and he says, who do you say I am? And a Muslim typically would respond if they're honest to the text. Well, he was a good man and a prophet. And then I would bring them to the very words of Jesus, where Jesus says that he's the only way, the only truth in life. And I would ask them, what do you have to say about this teaching of Jesus? He says that there is only one way, not two ways. So are you following Jesus Christ for the salvation of your soul, for the Savior's soul, for your eternity, to which they'd have to say no? And then that, uh, we would have a discussion about that, whichever way they wanted to go. Yeah. Um, I've said that, and then there's, they say that the Bible has changed, and it's not anymore the Word of God. That's why they have the Quran. So they, they don't believe that the Bible is true, even though it says in their Quran to believe it, but they say that it's changed. So well, it's convenient. It's, yeah, for yeah. anyone that says that, you know, that, that's a convenient answer, isn't it? Because if I say that, then I get to dictate what's, what parts are right and wrong. Uh, so that's a real convenient answer. And so, again, I would go along with them. And so, so here's my Bible. Tell me what parts are right and wrong. You, you, you want to get them off their game. That's the goal. You want to get them. It's kind of like basketball. I'm not very good at basketball, but you can see those guys that are good at basketball and dribbling, they got to get you off balance. And when you're talking to someone that just has a, whether it's a cultist at the door or someone that believes in a, or has an answer for everything, you want to get them off balance. And so, yeah, oh, you know, the Bible is, it, it isn't true anymore. And some parts are true and some parts aren't. Oh, really? I didn't know that. You know what? I have a Bible here. Tell me which wrong. Tell me, show me in my own Bible. Oh, I don't know. Well, then now you can't use that. You can't use a statement if you are unable to prove it. Yeah. And that's, it's, again, you're, you're, if with people that want to argue or resist 
we have to remember salvation is always supernatural. So then we come back to what Paul told us. Some people plant, some people water, but it's God that gives the increase. And that's what we lean on. So I got to go, brother. Thanks, Ethan, for calling. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Yeah. Hey, we're coming up on the end of the pro of the end of the first half, I should say. Today, you're listening to Calvary Live, coming to you live from the studios here in Grace FM. I want to welcome 101 stations or signals, you could say, are listening in. I want to shout out to you guys in Georgia and Idaho and Mississippi, Montana. Of course, we got Kingman, Arizona. You guys are brand new to our family. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Got a broken computer day, so I'm doing the show old school. It's like, oh, right, keeping me sharp. So we're coming up on a quick break. Stick with us, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back to another program today here at Calvary Live. Glad to have you. Glad to have you listening. I'm always encouraged when you call, and I want to encourage you to call. The number to dial is 303-690-3000, taking your calls and your questions. We're going to shoot over it and get Jessica here in Pennsylvania, who's been waiting patiently. Jessica, welcome to the program. Hi. Um. So I have two questions, if that's okay. Sure. Okay. So my first question is, I don't usually like to ask why questions, but it's hard for me to wrap my brain around this, but I'm just, since the Lord is creator of life, I'm, I wonder why he would allow, you know, people to have children like like the I in vitro, I think it's called. Sure. And they're like a gay couple and try and transform their children into a different gender. I just since the Lord does create life, I just wonder why he would even allow that. Well the the question actually goes back before the sinful behavior, doesn't it? Because the real question would be, why does God give us the ability to make free will decisions? I mean, that's really yeah. what it amounts to. Uh, for me, personally, uh, I, li- I had a life uh, prior to my born-again experience where I was very rebellious against God. I didn't want anything to do with God. I was a rank, horrific sinner. And so I can answer the question for me, why did God allow me to go through that? There was a lot of different things, but he wanted me to get to the place where I am now, where I love him and serve him and I'm born again. And we don't know the future of these men and women who have chosen a sinful life. And it's not just the in IVF or just the lesbianism or that type of sin or adultery or fornication or any of that. It's really the human condition. And we know to some degree why God would give us the ability to choose. And that's because love can't be love if there's no alternative choice. I mean, if I'm forced to love, then that's not really love. Love has to be rooted in some kind of choice. And so God, in his creative purposes with that, dating back to the Garden of Eden, uh, gave a real bona fide choice to humanity so that the love that's experienced toward God could be experienced in such a way uh, that would be 
um, true in re- like, like there would be a true relationship. Um, number one, uh, I, I can I have a simpler answer to that question. I actually, when you ask that question, I can answer it with one. Well, before I answer it with one word, I'll I'll answer it with a question to you. Mm-hmm. Why would God allow a man and a woman who have a relationship with Him and attend church regularly? Why would he allow them to have a baby? What? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, um, I don't know. Yeah, it's actually the same word. It's, I would give you the same answer for that question as I would for your question, and that is grace. God is very yeah. gracious to let his creation be involved in the beautifulness of humanity, of being a human. And he even gives room at his own pain, you know, his own... Um, to his own detriment, to the death of his own son, uh, he gives room for us to enjoy his creation. He's given everything to richly enjoy, even to the point of rebellion uh, and a great personal sacrifice uh, that he has with his own son. I guess I'm, it, I've just been hurt a lot from my dad who, who says he's gay. And mm. so like when I see all this stuff, it really it it hurts deeply, and now I have my own child who I had in September, and it just makes things more real, and it it makes me want to protect her with everything, and yeah. So it's just the world's scary right now with all that's going on. So I just I I don't like to ask those questions like why, but you know, I, we, I just we have just to process them. Death. I mean, we have to be also accept that they're. The why, almost every single why question that our minds come up with are unanswerable. Um, but, you know, the ways of God are not our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts, so that when we do come to these these external difficulties, um, you know, we're just like, oh, man, if I was God, I wouldn't do it that way. But then that, yeah. answer, kind of, that answer kind of speaks for itself, and go, oh, man, well, thank God you're not God, and I'm not God, yeah. because we would not be you know it wouldn't be it wouldn't be good i mean i know it just it wouldn't be good my i guess my second question is i you know i recently gave up smoking which has been a battle for a long time yes and you know i kind of fell on my face thinking okay well i believe the lord wanted me to surrender this and now that i have i'm done kind of thing it was kind of a prideful thing you know um and now i just now I realize there's so many things that I need to surrender. And I guess the main reason why I'm not surrendering fully is because I'm, you know, I'm afraid the Lord's going to take people I love from me and stuff. And I know that may sound really silly, but I just don't know what the Lord's going to do. And so I'm just really scared to surrender. And I guess I, I'm asking, what does surrender look like? I know it's not a once and done thing, but how does that work, if I may ask? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I think the the place where you're at right now is a place of maturity, right? You're coming into new levels of maturity, and that's evidenced by your commitment to say, you know, I want to honor God with my body. I want to give up this filthy habit that's making me sick, that could possibly hurt my child. Uh, I don't want to be in uh, a slave to my cigarettes. I And you 
you give it and you know you got a lot of emotions that are revealed that you've never seen before you're seeing pride and arrogance and you're seeing a lot of things in yourself that while you were smoking you didn't readily see so now that you're seeing new things uh, you're like, oh, okay, now I want to address this. I want to address this. And then you get to the place, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I did not know in my born again experience that I was that bad. I just didn't know it. And I kind of like my old my old way of living before where I didn't have to deal with all these things. And, and yet the Lord's going, no, it's okay. And, and one of the things that is really hurting you, and I think you know this uh, deeper than even what you shared, but one of the things that's hurting you is that you have a very, and I'm, let me be careful here, you don't have a very good example of what a dad looks like. Mm-hmm. And because you don't have a very good example of what a dad looks like, it would be easy to project some of many of the weaknesses of your father on earth to your father in heaven, right? So yeah. there may be real good reasons, and we don't need to talk about, I'm not asking for that, but there may be real good reasons to fear your dad or to fear the influence of your dad on your children or to stay away from him or fear what he says. Those, just the way you were raised and the hurt that you carry and the trauma that you have. But those yeah. reasons don't translate to God. And you're going to learn that. You, you, you know, you know, today I'm asking you to believe it, but over time yeah. you're going to experience it. And what surrender looks like you know, is when God reveals something to you, you obey him. You yeah. obey him, and if he says, to, and you believe him, so belief and obedience, like when the Bible says that you can trust God, that he'll never leave you or forsake you, well, that is a, an invitation to believe God. And yeah. like, I, I can't believe, I mean, and you know, that's where you might be. I, my dad was just so hurt to me. I don't know. I don't even like calling God father. I don't like that. I don't want to see him as father because it just gives me memories of my own dad and the own present pain. And, and yet your heavenly father is the ex- perfect example that he is, is so much greater, so much greater uh, than you can experience. But I want you to think when you think of surrender, I want you also to think of the English translation to that, the definition, I should say, where you just give up. You stop fighting. You yeah. finally wave what they say is the white flag before God and say, God, I give up. I don't want to fight you on this anymore. I don't want to make excuses for my pride. I don't want to see my dad in you. You know, whatever it may be that he's drawing. I want to be a good mom. I, I desire to grow. So help me to understand your word and get like that. That's that's the language of a surrendered person. The language of a person that's not surrendered is, yeah, I don't care. I'll do my own thing. And I read my Bible, but I don't believe it all or whatever, whatever it might be that you have to look at in your own life so that you know that you're growing in relationship. And just what you're experiencing right now with the cigarettes speaks Mm -hmm. of a lot of maturity that God's giving you uh, as you draw near to him and make some hard decisions about your life. Thank you so much for answering these questions. I know they were long. That's okay. I really appreciate it. That's why we're here. I'm glad you called. Can I pray for you? Yeah, that'd be great. Father, I pray for my sister Jessica and the weight. I just I picture her just carrying this backpack on her back with rocks after just so heavy. Her shoulders are hurting. Her neck is twisted. Headaches and she can't run very fast. She can't move very fast, Lord. And each day, even like this phone call, you're taking out a rock. You're taking out a burden. 
even to the degree, God, you say that we can cast our cares upon you because you care for us and that burdens can be lifted so quickly that she too can experience grace, that she too can enjoy the fruit of the womb that you've opened for her and even have a heart, like I hear it in her, Lord, a heart for those that are struggling with infertility and unable to have children, that that might be a way you're going to use Jessica and her love and compassion to comfort other women uh, that have great difficulties with their womb. And so bless her today, Lord, encourage her and strengthen her in her newfound surrender and her newfound surrendered life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Hey, Jessica, I think that was like a word from the Lord for you about this infertility and really being an encouragement. So pray about that. Oh, my goodness. That's so exciting. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. You know, one of um, the—I don't want to—I mean, it's hard to call it an advantage, isn't it? But it is. For those of you that regularly listen to this program, uh, one of the advantages uh, to listening to this program is being encouraged— as people ask questions that have been on your mind or your heart, or people are wrestling with things that you're wrestling with, or just even with Jessica right now, the Lord spoke to her and he didn't give me a word until I was praying. And I just sensed in my prayer that that was the direction to go. And I feel like that was the Holy Spirit. And I wanted to tell her, and you can hear it in her voice, like God was speaking to her. And those of you listening to me right now, I want to remind you that God is alive. He is not dead. And that's not just a catchy title for a song or a movie. God is alive right now. He's moving on the earth. He's speaking forth his word. He's giving the rhema word. He's giving a word in due season. He's speaking the logos word or the logos word where it is in stone once for all delivered to the saints. God is ready to minister to you, even in your hurts and even in your challenges and even in your difficulties. He's inviting you to himself. And I want to encourage you, follow him. Don't just be a churchgoer, religious person, going through the motions, trying to put up a, well, you know, I'm just going to act this way so my kids think I'm saved. No, do it for the Lord. Surrender your life. Ask the hard questions. Receive the hard answers. And I know the Lord will meet you there because he's gracious. One of the scriptures that came to mind, and by the way, we have an open line, 303-690-3000. I got a couple calls waiting, but um, and I'll get to you, Stephen and Amarillo. I'm old school, so please be patient with me right now. My computer is busted, and I don't know what to say. I, I, it's an old one, so I think maybe it might, the, the Wi-Fi card or network card might have died. I don't know. Uh, it's frustrating. Uh, I don't know what to do, except I can't use it. So old school, paper Bible, what's ever in my head. I do have my iPad open so I can see the text messages. Uh, so that that's our um, mechanism that we can, um, that we have a, uh, what do you call it? A call screen, but it's old school. So please be patient with me uh, as I'm thinking my thoughts out. Um, but I was going back to the scripture, uh, this back to the generic question. And I, I was just reminded uh, in Luke, or excuse me, Matthew chapter five, in verse 43, Jesus is teaching us, he says, this, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? Um, you know, the, 
or why do good things happen to bad people, whatever, however way you want to answer it, the summary is just grace. But here's how Jesus puts it. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you only, who, what reward do you have? The tax collectors do that. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Don't even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. And it's just the grace of God that we experience anything good. 303-690-3000. Back to the phone lines. Amarillo, Texas. Stephen, uh, welcome to the program. Hello, brother. How are you? Great. How are you? Doing real well. Hey, we we had a wild experience the other day at, during our church service okay. where uh, a group of people came forward for prayer and, and one of the ladies uh, fainted. Right? Okay. And so I've, I've, I grew up in a charismatic environment. And so I've always heard of being slain in the spirit. This wasn't a circumstance to where, you know, the pastor was, was coming around praying over people and, you know, it just happened. And so, you know, we, we, we made sure she was okay and just let her rest there. But then my son asked, like, Dad, what was this? And so the the best thing that I could say was that, you know, sometimes you go to the doctor and, you know, he checks you out and he helps you and gets you going. And sometimes you go to the doctor and you have to be put under. And that was the best way I could think okay. to explain that, that sometimes God needs to do something and, and people may pass out. But I yeah. wanted to hear, brother, like, how do, how do you talk to those particular circumstances it wasn't a situation to where this is like normal uh, for the church service or anything of that nature. Correct. It just occurred. And I do sure. believe that it was a uh, Holy Spirit. I don't believe anybody was was playing games or any nonsense. Yeah. But I just wanted to hear your take on it. I think the this false teaching or this false doctrine of slain in the Spirit is a counterfeit of what can happen to a person. You know, that you can't have a counterfeit without the real. And is it possible for someone to be so overwhelmed by the presence of God? Is it possible for someone to be so overwhelmed by the presence of the Holy Spirit that they lose their faculties or that they pass out or that they come under, uh, you know, their bodies react in some way? And the answer is yes, absolutely yes. Um, The reality of, you know, I I think of the um, Queen of Sheba comes uh, to to see everything that, that was spoken about Solomon. And it says she just lost it. She just lost everything. Now, that's not an, even an influence of the Holy Spirit as much as this influence of the response of the Holy Spirit, like what God had done in Solomon's life. She lost it. She had an emotional response to everything that she saw and experienced when she went to visit Solomon. And I, I think of uh, the reality of the... Uh, transfiguration, for example. Remember the transfiguration in Matthew 17? When the disciples heard this, it says that they fell on their faces and were terrified. They had emotional response uh, to a dynamic uh, event that they were seeing. Is it possible? 
that what you experienced, what your son experienced, what this woman experienced, you know, being there uh, was from the Lord? Absolutely, 100%. We see it with crying. Uh, We see it with uh, falling over. We see it with uh, falling on your face in worship. We see it with losing your breath. And yes, however, the, the counterfeit, this false teaching of slain in the spirit where people are hyped up and there's catchers and you have to be touched and you know it's time to fall and people were taught to do that and people were planted to do that and it's all for hype's sake and yeah you're right it's not from the lord but is it possible is it probable that this woman experienced an extraordinary touch of the holy spirit absolutely hey thank you brother you're welcome you're welcome god bless you you too Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. I think that we can overreact to false teaching sometimes instead of uh, allowing, you know, the Lord to show us that there could really be something special going on uh, and just encouraging them and not, but not hyped up. I think hyped up is pretty obvious. And, you know, the Benny Hens of the world, the Kenny Copelands, the people on TV that are just stealing. And I think of this guy, Duplantis, just such the worst of the worst false teachers. Um, that's just ripping people off and buying multi-million dollar planes and nonsense. It's all, it, you should be able to see a fraud uh, a mile away because the Holy Spirit's shown you truth. And is it possible that that woman, uh, probable that that woman experienced a true touch of the Spirit? Absolutely. You bet. All right, we're going to stay on the East Coast here, or we're going to head out, I should say, from Amarillo, Texas, out to Baltimore. Uh, Aza, welcome to the program. Aza, are you still with us in Baltimore? Well, you ask a really good question. I'm going to answer it without you on the air uh, because it's a very good question. Why are we supposed to pray for Israel and its peace and not the Palestinians in Gaza, especially innocent women and kids. And I so wish you would have stayed on the phone with me because I would have said uh, that we are, the way that the question is phrased, there is no, absolutely no instruction in the scriptures to not pray for the Palestinians in Gaza, not to pray for the innocent women and children, and not to pray for the guilty Hamas uh, wicked terrorists We are to pray for all of them. Uh, We are to pray for the war to end. We are to pray for peace. We are to pray for lives to be spared and ask God's will in the matter. Um, Perhaps you're, you're asking the question of why would Israel get priority? Maybe that's a part of your question. And the reason why we would give prayer to Israel in priority is that God declared Israel, the people of Israel, his chosen people, the apple of his eye. And he chose them not because they were better than any of us, because he grafted us as Gentiles into Israel, and not that they were better than anyone, but that he chose them. And he instructs us in the scriptures, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, very specifically. I just taught this, I just taught this to our church this weekend of the significance of understanding that Israel is not occupying that land in the sense like they don't belong there. They occupy that land because the land belongs to them. It was given to Abraham, not through Ishmael, 
which is the Arab world, that land, which is even they're just occupying a very small part of what God promised them, uh, was given to them by God through Isaac, through Israel, or through Isaac into Jacob through Israel. So the Bible couldn't be clearer, but we absolutely should be praying for the Palestinians. We should be praying for the innocent women and children. We should be praying that they uh, that the war ends and that peace abounds, and we should be praying that the clutches of Hamas no longer takes advantage. I mean, you're reading if you reading different news sources. I just posted on my website edtaylor.org, edtaylor.org. If you email me or text me, I can send you the page link. Um, but I just uh, put maybe ten or so trustworthy news links that are outside of. Uh, the U.S. and more evangelical and biblical in their viewpoint so that you can understand what's going on there, uh, and, I, and especially of its prophetic importance. But, for example, i24.tv is, i24news.tv is a great Israeli source of, of news that uh, you would want to look at because uh, just today I was reading, uh, no, it wasn't maybe, I can't, you, know, you take so much information, I don't remember when it was, but I was reading an article of the, those that are the head of Hamas are billionaires. They live in Qatar um, on private plane, taking advantage of the people. And um, so we should be praying for the Palestinians and we should be praying for Gaza. I just read, you know, you've heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I'm telling you to love your enemies, Jesus said. Uh, and that's on a personal level and on a prayer level. And the reality of the atrocity and the terror attack on Israel, the worst loss of life, on, since the Holocaust to the it's the worst anti-Semitic loss of life uh, toward Israel since the Holocaust, uh, the worst um, terror attack on Israeli soil, we absolutely stand with Israel and we pray that Hamas and Hezbollah and those that have uh, very publicly, openly and defiantly declared that they want to wipe Israel off the face of the earth from the uh, land to the sea, um, we want to pray for them both. So I'm glad you called. I wish you would have stayed on because it's a great question. I'd love to hear your point of view on it. Uh, we've got time uh, for one, one very, very quick call. Felicia, Felisa in Liberty, Kentucky. We got a, just two minutes to take your question, but we'll take it. You're on the air. Okay. Hi. I'm just, I got a question about replacement theology, but are you okay if I pray over you real quick? Absolutely. Go for it. <laughs> Father God, I just thank you for what you did through Pastor Ed earlier with that young lady. I'm just going over when we release the crutches, it reveals the sin nature in ourselves, Lord. And I just, I feel so encouraged seeing that, knowing that we've known him for year, a few years now and listen yes. to him. That's just, I feel that he was touched by you in that as thank you, Lord. that young lady. So I thank you so much for what you did there. Thank you for Pastor Ed and what he does through this ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. A amen. Um, yeah, so replacement theology, how do I, um, you know, I've come across scripture, scriptures and kind of brought my way. Yes. So my husband and I are just kind of, were in talks with a new believer. Yes. And they came across an article, and we don't want them to be swayed the wrong way. Um, we know prayer is the first point sure. of battle, but um, we just want to be able to handle it. Respectfully. E email me. It, it's more than a two-minute answer, but definitely replacement <laughs> theology rooted in Roman Catholicism, you know, kind of coming with us through the Reformation, through Lutheranism, Presbyterianism. That's where we have replacement theology in its most 
uh, popular form, usually connected to Luther and Calvin and Calvinism and just understanding God's heart for Israel and um, biblically um, that the church can't possibly replace Israel. Um, it's it would it would not allow the continuity of scriptures. Um, unfortunately, uh, replacement theology is a modern day fuel uh, for many when it comes to anti-Semitism. It was one of the big issues uh, that unfortunately came out of Martin Luther's life uh, toward the end of his life. Uh, but I can send you some things if you email me, and I can help you wrap your mind around some answers uh, to this person with the that read an article. I'll have my husband do that. Thank you okay. so much, Pastor Ed. It's ed at edtaylor.org. We got it. Got it. God bless you guys <laughs> in Kentucky. You so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. We're coming to the end of the program today. Thank you so much. We made it through old school. That felt good. Uh, I, that means I didn't see a lot of text or anything uh, because I had to flip through my phone. and I, like So my iPad, I'm, um, so I'm sorry I didn't get to all the... the I'll look at them later. Um, and uh, grateful that we could be on the uh, program with you today. The Lord is on the move today. He loves you. Um, He's for you and not against you in Christ. Get to church this weekend. Some of you have been away for so long. Come back home. Come back to a place where you're being ministered to, but you're also ministering to others. We'll be back in the book of Acts this weekend at Calvary Church. Looking forward to being with the saints, uh, talking about missions, a missionary heart, a heart for the lost. So, so good. Just God is doing great things. Pray for the 80-plus people that were baptized here at Calvary last night. Glorious time. People got saved, baptized last night. Unbelievable. Have a great evening in the Lord. Stay close to Him. Abide in Him. And He will reveal Himself in greater ways. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.